Hello, Stan State, and welcome to the Taking Care of You podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Carrera. This podcast is all about sharing information that helps students, faculty, and staff stay safe on campus. This week, we have Vicki Jones, Director of Safety and Risk Management, and Dr. Brent Powell, Professor of Public Health and Promotion in the Department of Kinesiology and Public Health Promotion. This episode, we'll be talking about remasking, monkeypox, and avian flu. Now, let's get into the discussion. You're listening to the Taking Care of You podcast. Welcome, Vicki, and welcome, Dr. Powell, to the podcast. We know your titles, but we don't know a little bit about yourself. So can we start off with Dr. Powell to introduce us? Hi, yes. Uh, I'm a professor of public health promotion in the Department of Kinesiology and Public Health Promotion. Uh, I've been here for 12 years, and I got my Ph.D. in public health promotion from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Hi, I'm Vicki Jones. I'm a registered environmental health specialist, and I have a bachelor's degree in biology and a master's in public administration from Stanislaus State. So I'm an alum, a warrior, <laughs> and I have 21 years in the field of environmental health previously to working here at the campus. Eleven of those years recently were with Merced County's public health department, and I have worked um, COVID through that time I have been there. Awesome. That's going right into our introductions of topics. So now heading into starting off the fall semester, we are remasking, and I have a little bit of questions about when and where do we have to wear masks on campus? Currently, masks are uh, masking is based on a masking decision process that was created by leadership and safety and risk management. Currently, masks are worn in all indoor spaces, and that is based on two criteria that we follow consistently, um, more than weekly basis. One is the CDC community level, whether we're in low, medium, or high for cases in the county and hospitalizations and also looking at campus-related case data specifically as well. And so the information is posted on our website. So if anyone's interested in looking at that criteria, they can see what we are looking at. And so there is an allowance, though, for areas where there's eating and drinking where it's allowed. You're able to take your mask off for active eating or drinking, or if you're in a room alone with the door closed. Masking is also required on transportation related to campus. A following up question is, why are we remasking when the mandate was set to be lifted this semester? Well, I think masking does work, right? I mean, so there is lots of evidence that proves that whether or not people follow it or not. So we've seen that through COVID and through different data that's, you know, nationwide and worldwide. And it is still DC, CDC recommended that people still mask. And so if we're following those rules, um, we could stop preventatively, an outbreak to happen could happen on campus, right? And especially not knowing going into the fall what's going to happen with different variants that may occur. Uh, so it's sort of a preventative measure, if, I look, if you look at it that way, that can prevent something that potentially could happen um, in such tight quarters and tight spaces here on campus. As a student, I go to the gym and I tend to see people lowering down their mask. So is COVID still a big threat as it is now during the early stages of the pandemic? Personally, I feel as I have people who I know that don't take COVID as seriously, and I have others who still take the serious precautions as it was in the beginning of the pandemic. So what do you guys think? It is important to take these guidelines seriously to prevent additional spread of COVID-19. We do know that 
the subvariants. Um, currently, the most common right now is BA5, which is about 90% of the cases in California, and it has a high rate of infectiousness and can still make people quite sick, where they may have to isolate for 10 days, sometimes even longer if their symptoms don't wane in the 10 days. And so it is still important to try and prevent additional spread. And so that is what these guidelines would do. And so the more that people do mask and take other preventative measures, including vaccinations when eligible, it is very important for us to prevent future mutations. I have a follow-up question. If we're all supposed to mask, are there exceptions to the rule on campus for people who may be students in, say, if they're doing some sort of musical ensemble or if they're athletics, anything like that? There are a few instances that academic leadership has reviewed to determine if there are instances where safety plans in place, where there happens to be maybe a conflict with even performance or you know, conducting their business is maybe interfered with in a significant way, then there are a few instances, but it's definitely not the consistent or not the usual. It would be the rare occasion. And I think that sort of answers your question that you asked. Is it still as serious? Well, if we're making some exceptions to the rule that it's not as serious, mostly because of getting vaccinations, right? And so that's helped prevent a lot of the severity of what the disease is, uh, the virus has caused early on. But we still know, as it was mentioned, that there are a lot of people who have underlying conditions that you may not even know about. And then when you get it, now it affects you tremendously. And then the long-term effect of that, you're not aware of. And it would be really terrible if you contracted that at the university and we didn't try to do something to prevent that or to try to help, you know, within a sort of environmental way. Do you think that with this mask mandate on campus, do you think that this is something that's going to last? Or do you think that there'll be somewhat of a timeline that it will be lifted? The mask mandate that's in place, the decision process is based on the data. It's based on science that actually had been discussed and collaborated with local public health officials for both Stanislaus County and San Joaquin County. And so the data is going to guide the process unless there's some other reason that we don't foresee at the moment that may require a different decision. But the science so far has been guiding this process. And so the less spread going on in the community, the less cases related to campus for staff, faculty, and students, then the less that we will have to mask. So we let the data guide us. I know about the Omicron variant. But are there any new variants out there? Because I know that there is a booster shot as well, the fourth one, I think. Current subvariants out there in California are BA4, BA5, and a newer one that's come to California most recently is BA4.6. As I mentioned, the BA5 is still the dominant at about 90% of the cases in California. However, there's always a possibility that BA4.6 could take over more of the cases. We're hoping not. It hasn't been doing that yet, but we're still watching that at the state level and the federal level. And the Omicron vaccine that you were mentioning is new and it is now available locally. So I suggest that anyone that can get it and is eligible to get that vaccine because it is called an updated bivalent Omicron booster 
where you do now have not only the original strain, but also Omicron subvariants BA4 and BA5. And so it is expected to be quite effective to work with um, prevention for the current subvariants we have in California. Do you think that this booster shot would be available on campus to the community? Um, yes, actually, Safety and Risk Management has scheduled two vaccine clinics, and there will be campus community messaging coming out very soon to provide the details and the ability to schedule for those vaccine appointments. They will be held in the Student Center uh, on September 28th and planned for October 13th as well. Awesome. So COVID-19 has been a global pandemic for several years now, but it isn't the only virus affecting people right now. I've been hearing there's a new pandemic called monkeypox. Is it as serious as COVID-19 and what even is monkeypox? So monkeypox uh, is currently spread through contact with uh, mainly. So what happens once you contract it? Uh, about four days later, you start getting a fever. Um, with it. And then after the fever, somewhere along the line, you start getting these sores that sort of pop up on your skin all over. They're very painful um, and they're pus filled. When that pus and it eventually will sort of erupt. And when that pus comes out and gets somewhere else, whether it's on clothing or bedding or anything like that as well, you can still contract it from that contacting the bedding or the clothing or something like that. And then it scabs over and about four weeks or six weeks later, you kind of start getting over it, um, if you will. And so it's spread in many different ways. And there's not a lot, there's research currently going on that can't 100% link it to sexual activity, but it has been seen somewhat that way. And so they're trying to figure out why that's happening on campus. And then to also mention too, if we're, when we're following data on things, currently worldwide, I think there's like 400,000 cases and half of them are in the US or something like that. And so don't quote me exact on the data. But also when you're following data on campus about rules with masking, one of the best ways to do things is to think about preventative measures. And so whether it's getting the vaccine that was mentioned earlier, because this is sort of a new thing attacking sort of the, the new variant that's out there for the first time, but also getting flu shots and things like that, because the symptoms are very similar. And so if we're really trying to prevent things and you really want to you know, help out to get everybody from wearing a mask, doing those things to help yourself and staying away from others who may, especially with monkeypox, show that they have the sores uh, or showing signs of having monkey pots, prevention is the key. So staying away from people with COVID, staying away from people with the flu, staying away from washing your hands is the number one way for anything. And I thought it was kind of sad when COVID did happen. We had to spend money to educate people how to wash their hands, right? And so you think you know how to do it, but we're not doing it properly because we're still spreading things. So, What are some ways that people can, at the gym, prevent from contracting monkey pox? Number one, I hope your gym's wiping things down you know, first of all, and then also that you wipe down whenever you're done. They usually provide uh, spray bottles and things to wipe everything down after you use it. Um, so hopefully that's the number one way. Not sharing towels, um, not sharing sort of things like that with other people um, also helps. Has there been confirmed cases in the county? There have been some, not too many, which is great. Um, in Stanislaus County currently, um, the California Department of Public Health posts the data on their website. And currently, Stanislaus County only has 14 cases. San Joaquin County currently has 16 cases. Los Angeles has the most cases in the state currently at 1,692 cases at this time. How serious of an issue is it? Monkeypox, which is also known as MPX, is 
not considered a pandemic at this time, largely because the numbers haven't reached the level um, to be deemed as a pandemic by World Health Organization or the state at this time. So currently it's considered a multi-country outbreak. And if someone on campus was to contract monkeypox, what should they do? Should they go to the doctors? Should they go to the health clinic on campus? Or should they go to urgent care? We are always recommended to contact their own physician. They could also contact the student health center, but they definitely want to contact their own healthcare provider and the county public health department. The county health department does provide um, vaccine and treatment, so they can best get a lot of really great advice from the local county health department. And they do often have clinics for those that are eligible because there are limited supply of vaccine at this time. Typically, those eligible for the vaccine are those that have been exposed or those that are in households where someone's been exposed or those um, that are considered at high risk due to the potential for prolonged face-to-face contact or physical contact from somebody potentially exposed or in a high-risk category. While reading up on monkeypox, I also came across concerns about avian flu. We have a lot of geese and other birds on campus, and it got me wondering if there's anything that we should be worried about. Luckily, we are general public is at very low risk for contracting avian influenza. However, we do have geese on campus, and the waterfowl in our area are generally considered to be infected with avian influenza, H5N1 currently. So it's something important to just be aware of, to stay away from the geese. It can be in their saliva, their mucus, their feces. So you do want to avoid those, avoid coming into contact and definitely practice, as Dr. Powell had mentioned, really good hand hygiene. Some students may not know what avian flu is. So what would you say that it is? Avian influenza is a flu, a a strain of flu that mostly affects birds. It is rare that it affects humans. Those cases that had existed, which are not many in the United States at all, had been mainly due to those that are in close contact with birds or poultry that were infected, such as poultry workers. It is a strain of flu, but it is not often easily contracted to people. It does naturally spread among wild aquatic birds. So geese and ducks are those that tend to carry it. They may or may not show symptoms of being ill, so you just may not know. As long as you protect yourself by prevention methods, the risk is extremely low. Is this a new virus or has it been around for a while now? It's been around for a while. Yeah. Most anything that you hear about from the avian flu and things like that, especially if it ends in flu, we've it's been around for a while. It's not a new sort of virus that's out there. Should the campus community be concerned about it? I don't think there's a need for concern. I just think that there's just a need for awareness as you're providing today, which is excellent, and just to practice prevention methods for all the illnesses we're speaking about today. And is there any risk of me contracting three of these viruses? For example, me bringing it home to my pets or me bringing it home through carrying the feces of avian flu through my shoes? If you approach it from thinking there's always a risk, and enact some preventative measures. So, for example, when I go home, I always take my shoes off in the garage. And so I'm not bringing something in. Think in the same mindset of washing your hands, right? Um, Think of your feet and your shoes the same way. And so what are you going to bring into the house potentially? Then you're going to prevent it. And so 
Is it a huge concern? Probably not because you probably are watching where you're stepping anyway because we're used to having tons of geese on campus. Um, so you're not going to necessarily always step into geese species. Um, but just in case, I always like to promote prevention and then to say, take your shoes off before you go inside. Last question. So what if I were to have COVID and contract avian flu or monkeypox at the same time? What should I do? Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> then you didn't listen to this and learn that you should take preventative measures. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys may like to add that we have not covered yet? I just wanted to highlight that anybody that ever has any questions about any of these kinds of illnesses to visit CDC's website, California Department of Public Health's website, and your local health department websites for more information. They have lots of great information on those websites. And also it's recommended to receive your COVID-19 update, update a booster when you're eligible and your flu shot. And make sure you're following guidance that's provided by your healthcare provider and stay safe and healthy and have a great year. We like to end the podcast with a simple question. What's something you guys like to do to personally take care of yourselves? This may not be necessarily related to COVID, monkeypox, or avian flu. I like to make sure that I'm taking time for myself, and I think everybody should do that as well. Always make sure that you're giving yourself some time for wellness and mental health. I think due to COVID, I'm such a social person. And so COVID was really hard for me being isolated at home and not seeing students even right in my classroom and um, things like that. So for me, I learned during COVID something that I've learned in school, but never really practiced was mindfulness and really to be mindful about what are you doing throughout the day? Are you taking time for yourself? Are you really kind of being present with yourself? And so you don't always need to have socialization, but it's also kind of helped me. So things like yoga and just meditation has been a really good practice for me that I've learned since COVID. Thank you guys for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Taking Care of You podcast. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. And be sure to subscribe or follow to be notified of new episodes. Stay safe, warriors, and take care of yourselves.